Good morning. Uh, we all got a little little rain this week, I hope. Maybe some got up to five inches, I heard. Some must be living right. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> it rains on the just and the unjust. It's all good. But you know what? Uh, some cooler temperatures, some rain. What a week, right? We praise Jesus for it. We praise Him when it's 112 too, but man, we praise Him. <laughs> so that's shaking. We praise Him, and uh, what a blessing this last week has been, and uh, we we praise our Lord. What a blessing it is to join together today in worship, though. What a blessing it is for each one of you to be here and choose that door to walk through, Beecher Island Church, where we're an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And I pray in that. That you will hear God's word. And you'll walk out of here just as I prayed. With His word, not mine at all. His word. His word. Because that's what's important. Not mine at all. Uh, this study's been pretty awesome. The study of John is where we've been. And we are finally on chapter 19. We have two more to go. Two, two chapters to go. That's probably about a year. Uh, years worth, but uh, uh, the, the 19, 19 is, is um, where we're going to start in today, and and we've really been looking at the, the trials over the last several weeks, the trials that Jesus is going through, the religious trials, and the civil trials, <clears throat> three religious trials he went through in a very short amount of time. Three civil trials he's going, getting pushed through, and again, a very short amount of time. But yet, the trial is still in progress. When we start in chapter 19, the, the trial is still in progress in John chapter 19. As we read this this morning, I want us to keep in mind John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you will have life in His name. No better words. No better words that we can read and understand as we read John chapter 19 and understand why Jesus did what He did. John chapter 19. And we're going to, we're probably going to stop at verse 22. <clears throat> Unless I'm getting, getting excited and just keep on reading. <laughs> now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from. I better jump over from Matthew to John. <laughs> I start reading that and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I better change my sermon if that's where God wants me. <laughs> Sorry. John chapter 19. <laughs> you thought I had a completely different translation, didn't you? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Retake number two. Alright. John chapter 19. I got it now. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hand. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know 
that I find no fault in you. Then Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And Pilate therefore heard that saying. He brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out, to a place called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Then the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. What do I not trust God? Yes. What a chapter. What a chapter. We start off in chapter 19 with maybe some confusion. We have Pilate three times. Three times stating, I find no fault with this man. I find no fault with this man. Three times we have it, but yet we have verse 1. We have verse 1 that reads, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they <coughs> excuse me, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. If, they found, if he found no fault with him, then why in the world did he give him the worst beating you could ever give a person? If he found no fault with him, then why did he send him off to do this? Why did, he, why did they send Jesus off to, to be whipped and tortured? And just so you know, this whip that they would have scourged him with, it would have had a, about a 12-inch handle, wooden handle on it. And then straps of leather. 
And at the end of the leather, it would have had pieces of metal or, or pieces of bone. And this, this whipping was meant to actually cut the person that they were whipping. It would have gashed them open so bad that you could see muscle and tendons and bones sticking through this cutting, this whipping of him. So why in the world would Pilate, if he found no fault with him, why would he whip him like this? You know, because a lot of prisoners actually died from just the whipping. So why would he have him have this done if he found no fault with him? Why would he torture him like this? You know, uh, This was the most gruesome beating that you could ever give a person. It was absolutely unjust for Pilate to have this done to an innocent man. And if he found no fault with him, then why did he do this? He did it because he didn't want to crucify him. He did it because he didn't want to send him to the cross. He did it because he wanted the Jews to be okay with him just beating him and then hopefully they would be okay and just let Jesus go. He didn't want to crucify him. He knew that there was no fault in Jesus. And he tried to appease the Jews by just torturing Jesus in hopes that they would be satisfied with just a good old beat. But when we look at the details that took place in this mockery of Jesus, when we look at the details that, that take place, it's quite a picture. A crown, a, a crown for a king. It was a, it was a crown of thorns, though. A crown of, of thorns that, that would have caused extreme pain when they mashed it onto his head and pushed it into his scalp. I want you to think about this crown. I want you to think about this crown not because of the pain, but because of maybe what it stood for. What did thorns represent? Thorns represented, represented sin. Thorns represented sin. Sin to all mankind. And here, and here we have Jesus. This picture of Jesus bearing the curse of sin. Bearing the curse of sin so that we might wear a crown of glory. Here in this mockery of Him, look at the detail. The detail of the thorns being placed on His head. Sin onto His head. not just the crown. Also the purple robe. The purple robe that is placed on him in this mockery. I, I want you to, to understand that purple was a color of royalty. And yes, it was in mockery of him, but, but look at the, they, they put him in a purple robe. Reminds of, uh, of us, reminds us of our sin. Our sin that Jesus took upon Himself that we might be clothed in God's righteousness. 
about the detail. He was a man of no sin. No fault. And yet they placed a crown of sin on his head and put him in a, a robe of royalty. What a picture for us. A, a picture of, of the Christ, the Son of God, perfect. Never of sin, but yet took on sin for us and went to the cross. For you. For you. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. Write this down. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. When he was rivaled, did not rival in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that having died to sin, might live for righteousness. That we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. His stripes. The stripes of this whip. Put gashes across his body. The detail, the detail for me and I hope for you is so mind-blowing. But it doesn't stop there. You see, the picture that I struggle with is the picture that, uh, of the Son of God being slapped by the hands of God's own creation. And, and mouths that, that mocked Him. He formed. He formed. And today it continues. Today it still happens, but I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear this, that He knew that this would happen. He knew that it would all take place. He knew that it would still take place today where we mock Him and slap Him. But yet He still took on the sin in the world and went to the cross. For you. For you. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. And here we have for the second time Pilate stating Jesus' innocence. Verse 4. It tells us that, that Pilate went out to the crowd and said, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. <laughs> Pilate condemned himself by his own words. He, he's saying, I find no fault in him, yet they wouldn't let him go. I, I, I can't find, he's innocent, but, but he wouldn't let him go. I, I really believe at this point, Pilate, though, was hoping that, that the Jews would see how badly Jesus had been beat, and then they would be satisfied, and they would, they'd be okay with that, and they would just let Pilate release Jesus. And then Jesus comes out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And we'll get to what the Jews said, but first let's talk about what Pilate said. As Jesus walks out with blood running from his whole body, blood running, running down his face from the crown of thorns being pushed into him, swollen from the beating he's been taken. This was not a pretty sight. And he says, Behold the man. You know, uh, what did Pilate mean? We know, we know what he wrote on top of the cross. 
We know what He wrote on top of the cross. So, so what did He mean as He said, Behold the man. You see, I think He stepped Jesus out there. And He said, Behold the Son of Man. Even though He didn't understand what the Son of Man meant. Behold the Son of Man. And as soon as He said this, we have verse 6, Therefore when the chief priests and the officers saw Him, they cried out saying, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! You see, the chief priests noticed that Pilate might be wavering. You see, I want to back up just a little bit because when He said, Behold the man, there's a lot of Bible scholars and commentaries that want to say that Pilate was being sarcastic. I don't think he was. I don't think he was being sarcastic at all when he said, Behold the man, because he was speaking truth to the Jews as to who Jesus was. And he wasn't being sarcastic at all because if they thought he was wavering, now they even poured on even more. They poured on even more. You see, uh, they cried out even more. They cried out even more. It was a religious men who were leaders in the death of our Savior, though, is what I want you to see in this. The leaders. The leaders are shouting, crucify Him, crucify. You know, it was religious men who down through the centuries inside of churches made more people walk away from Christ than probably people of the world. The stuff of church drives people back out that door. Churches, people. Churches, people. But when we come, become more about things that take place inside or outside of this building than we become about Jesus Christ, we start getting our priorities wrong. Just as the Jews became more about being right than they did seeing Christ, they got it wrong. It's been church officials who have persecuted believers more than anybody else. I truly believe that. The peer pressure that the Jews were putting on Pilate was intense. The, the peer pressure that can be put on churches is intense. The, the peer pressure put on God-fearing people can be intense. The false teachings that is pushed onto churches, and maybe it's just a, a little false in a lot of truth, but it's still a false that becomes preached and teached. And the false teaching becomes known. And if you don't believe this, look at some of the denominational churches today and what they teach and what they allow to have happen inside of their churches. Church, listen to me. Hold me accountable. 
hold me accountable to teach God's truth. And if I falter in that, tell me. If I falter in it, lift me up and tell me where God's word and in God's word where I need to be. I want to keep my focus on Him. And church, I want us to keep our focus on Him no matter what's going on. No matter if the carpet gets changed, okay? Let's be about Him. Let's be about Him. Because when this world sees you waver, when this world sees you waver, they will pour it on even more. And that's exactly what they did. Crying out, crucify Him, crucify Him. And then Pilate tried to stand strong, and he said to him, you take Him and crucify Him. I find no fault in Him. For the third time, for the third time, Pilate stated, I find no fault in Him. I find no fault in this man Pilate seemed to be disgusted with them in their unreasonable hatred of Jesus. And he said, in effect, if this is the way you feel, then why don't you take him and crucify him? Why don't you go and do that as far as I'm concerned, he's innocent? Yet Pilate knew that the Jews could not put him to death because that power had been taken from them and only the Romans could exercise that at that time. And so the Jews answered him, we have a law. We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he himself, he made himself the Son of God. The Jews saw that they had failed to prove that Jesus was a threat to Caesar's government, so they brought forth their religious charges against Jesus. You see, church, Christ did claim equality with God. He claimed to be the Son of God. And in that, the Jews didn't understand it. They didn't see that He was the Christ. And so to them, it was blasphemy and He needed put to death. And that's exactly what they stated to Pilate. In verse 8, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. The possibility of Jesus being the Son of God troubled Pilate. He was already uneasy about this whole deal, but this made him even more afraid. This scared him even more. Pilate wanted to know more about Jesus, though. He wanted to know more. And so he went into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? He wanted to know more, but first I want you to look. Before we go to the question, I want you to look where he went. He went back into the judgment hall. He went back where it was private. He went back where it would be quiet so that he could get away from the noise of the crowd. And you know what? Isn't that the same with anyone who wants to find the truth about Jesus? They need to get out of the noise of the world. They need to get out of the noise of what's going on around them and find a private place to seek Christ alone. And when you're struggling, when the weight of this world is on your shoulders and you're faltering, and you're struggling, listen to me. Find your private place. Find your private place where you can get out of the noise of the world, the noise of your thoughts, and seek Christ alone. And that's exactly what Pilate did. And he went to him, and he said, Hey, where are you from? 
He, he, he was asking, are you from heaven? Well, where are you from? Are you from beneath or above? And, and he wanted to know more. Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus didn't answer him. And I, and I want you to know in this church that, that he, he wasn't being rude to him. It, it wasn't a, a sullen silence and contempt of court. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't know the answer for him. He absolutely knew the answer. But this, this was a patient silence. This was a, a patient silence. The silence, though, so loud spoke his submission to the Father's will. He was silent because he would say nothing that would hinder his suffering. You know, when the chief priest asked Jesus if he was the Son of God, his answer was, I am. I am. But when Pilate asked him, when Pilate asked him, Pilate didn't understand the I am statement, so Jesus didn't answer him. He didn't understand that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. Because his brain, his mind was full of pagan theology. And so Jesus knew that he wouldn't understand the I am statement. So he sat in silence. And Pilate did not like it at all. And he said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? love the answer that Jesus gives him. You get no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. And I tell you, I, I truly believe that Jesus was just calm, cool, and collected when, when he talked to, to Pilate. Even though I think Pilate was pretty worked up at this point. He was nervous. He didn't know what to do. He's probably losing it. He's probably shouting at Jesus. And Jesus just in return just says, Hey, you know what? All your power has been given from above. And if He didn't want to give you any power, you wouldn't have any power. All power is from above. All governments are ordained by God. All authority is given by God, whether civil or spiritual. And it's from God. I think that's something that we should put in our brain. For even our government today. Even our government today has been given power or no power by God. Verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. It was their last ditch effort, probably their best effort, to get Pilate persuaded. What a telling statement, though. They hated. Listen to me. They hated being under the power of the Romans. They wanted nothing more to destroy Caesar and be set free. But yet what they said. They pretended. They pretended to, 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 to try and protect Caesar's empire of the threat of Jesus claiming to be king. Now Pilate couldn't afford for the Jews to accuse him of disloyalty to Caesar. And so he weakly submitted to the masses. 
He, he brought Jesus out and sat him down in the judgment seat in a uh, place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. I was almost certainly trying to, to annoy and provoke the Jews by saying this. He knew that he'd been trapped into condemning Jesus. And so he presented Jesus and said, Okay, boys, here's your king. Here's your king. You wanted him? Here he is. But they cried out, uh, Away with him. Crucify him. Crucify him, right? And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? <laughs> In this I hear Pilate saying, Boys, Boys, are you sure you want me to crucify your king? You want me to crucify your king? The Jews stooped to an all-time low. They stooped to an all-time low. The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Think about this statement. What a faithless nation. Refusing, refusing their God for a wicked, heathen, lowercase k king. That's what they did. So Pilate willingly turned over Jesus to be crucified to please the Jews. Pilate loved the praise of men. He loved the praise of men and more than he loved the praise of God. And so he took Jesus and they led him away. I step back and look at all the trials that Jesus had to go through. All that they, they put him through in this short amount of time. And I, and I look at, at the Jews and the way that they, they treated their Messiah, their Savior, and it breaks me. I also know that it had to happen. It had to happen to fulfill Scripture. But you know what? They had the Scripture in front of them to read who Jesus was. They had the Scripture in front of them to teach them exactly what was going to happen and who He was and, and what He was about. But I still catch myself giving the Jews excuses. I still catch myself giving, giving all kinds of excuses to the Jews as to why. But there's no excuses. There's no excuses. Just as today we have the Scriptures to tell us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in Him, you'll have life in His name. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. Either you confess Him as Lord and know that God raised Him from the dead and be saved, or not. And the not is hell. That's not my judgment. That's not my, my words. That's the words of Jesus. You can either believe in Him and choose the narrow, or you can choose the wide that leads to destruction. That's hell. That's hell. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. Church, I want you to hear me this morning. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's, it's your decision to choose Christ or your decision to not. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him. 
So that whosoever, whosoever, I want you to hear that word, whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, it's a choice. It's a choice. You choose Him or you don't choose Him. You can make all the excuses in the world if you want to, but that doesn't lead you to Christ. The choice of Christ leads you to heaven. Either you believe or you don't. It's your choice to know that He is the King or not. I want to encourage you though this morning to make the choice of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning to make the choice to know that He is King. That He is the Son of God. And that in Him there is life. There is life. I want to encourage you to ask the question, Who is He? And where is He from? And have an answer for yourself from this right here. His word, not anybody else's. His word. His word speaks truth. His word says, believe in me and you will have life. So if you have not chosen Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today to do that. If you have made that choice, but you, you, you've maybe found some distance, You've found some distance between you and Christ. I want to encourage you today to step back to Him. Because I promise you, He's not stepped away from you. Step to Him. Step to Him. Let Him be the Lord of your life. And if you're making that decision today, I want to pray with you. I want to talk with you. And if you've made that decision, but you've not been baptized, you've not stepped into the water, Claiming Jesus, your, your Christ, your everything. Let's talk. I want to talk with you if you've not made that decision. It's still warm out. The river's running good. We will have a baptism at the river if you would like to do that. If you want to, come talk with me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Jesus, for going through all this torture, this this uneven thinkable being that we know that blooded your body. By those stripes we are healed. It's in you, Jesus, that we have life and I pray this morning that people's hearts soften to you. That no matter what they've done, no matter what sin is in their life, no matter what sin has been in their life, they call out to You and know that in You, they have life. In You, they can become more like You. That we can't clean up our life without You. We can't make it better. We can't, we can't work hard enough to clean up our own life and make heaven, but it's in You. You can, you can clean us up. You can give us life. You promised that. And I pray today that we know that Jesus, You did it for us because of the love that You have for us. That God sent You to this earth for this purpose. So that we can be forgiven and have eternity with You. And I pray that every person in here knows that this morning. And if they have not accepted You, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, that they do it this morning. 
I pray as we stand and sing here to You, to Your name in just a minute, that hearts will soften through it. And that they will just seek You in everything they have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us. If you need prayers, please come on up.